passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof rack, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with the eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts that you need at the prices that you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Beach Bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene product. Don't be the guy at the beach with Austin Powers chest hair. And maybe you've grown some winter man tits. At least you can make them hairless. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off in free shipping with my promo code Bubba. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the essential lawnmower 4.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your grooming routine. Whether you're trimming your chest or your treasure chest in your pants, doesn't matter. This is the best trimmer on the market. Inside the Performance Package, you're going to find the Manscaped Crop Preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver, ball toner, anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. Because we all know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. Nobody likes nose hairs, so their package comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0 as well. You're also going to get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, about a $39 value, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. And if you're wearing sandals, you're going to need to get the Manscaped Shears 2.0 nail kit. Having the right tools for grooming is essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off in free shipping with promo code Bubba at manscaped.com. That's 20% off in free shipping with promo code Bubba at manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles at manscaped.com. Promo code Bubba. I better not get sick. Sorry for the delay. Welcome to uh, the Anna Hummel show. I was really, really, really hoping uh, Kevin was going to sit in today. Kind of had the show prepped out, ready for for Kevin and I to discuss everything from uh, the conflict in the Middle East to uh, longevity, health, fasting, I was really, I was really looking forward to it. Kevin and I feel like we we vibe well. We have good discussions, and um, turns out he's, you know, he's got the pumpkin patch, so he is uh, <clears throat> a little preoccupied with that. So it was a little sad to hear. I did text him yesterday. I'm like, Yo, Kevin, I know you're coming in tomorrow for the main show. Would you mind uh, sticking around for a little bit for my show? And he's like, Yeah, let's do it. And then you know, it, it, it you know, didn't happen. That's okay though. That's okay. Uh, he'll be back next Friday, he said. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that will work out. I would love to do a show with him. Uh, I, I love I love picking his brain. I love it when you have somebody and you respect the way that their brain works and you respect how they think and why they feel the way that they feel. And what's great about conversations with those people is even when you come to a point where you disagree, you know that they're going to have a good reason for why they believe or what they why they think what they think. So that I feel like is Kevin and I. 
I'd say with Kevin and I, there's probably about mm, 82% overlap. But that 18% where we kind of disagree about stuff, I really like getting into the weeds on stuff like that. So uh, 813-90-Bubba. Next week, we'll have Kevin Hazlett as a guest, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, before I really get started with the meat of the show, sorry, the mic is just all over the place. Um, there are some people I need to thank that I did not thank last week, I don't think. It's come to my attention. Um, Tease, I believe, donated 60 on, was it a super chat? Okay. Thank you very much, Tease. I really appreciate you. And I'm sorry if I missed anything last last week. I got a lot of moving parts here. If you do donate, stand by. Do no, donate. Mother. Make me sign in whatnot. One, two, three, four, five, six. Are you kidding me? All right. If you if you donate via uh, super chat, not super, super chat and also uh, cash app, I should be able to see that. I will refresh to the best of my Ability. Also, uh, Rodolfo Rivera, thank you so much. I I thought I called everyone out last week. I did not. And John Costica, also thank you. Tease, Rodolfo, and John Costica, very much appreciated. Oh, there he is again. Thank you, Rodolfo Rivera, another $20. I really, really apologize if I didn't call it out last week. Please know that it's never intentional. I never see it and then don't say it. Uh, I just don't see it because there's a lot of moving parts. I'm trying to refresh Willie here. I'm looking at that. I'm watching the phones. We're doing the mics. It's okay. It's a whole production. I'm a one woman show. I'm really sorry about all the uh, adjustments. I don't know how. Don't know how Bubba does it. Watch because I know for those watching on uh, on YouTube, watch what happens. Just just flaccid penises in my face. It's 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 rude. Um, so thank you guys so much. All right, I have all my post-it notes, much like Bubs. Also huge. Fucking thank you, Leslie and Chuck. What the hell? They send me and the show so many amazing gifts, and they're so fun to open. They're so creative. The little rubber duckies with the Bubba Army stamp on them, with the paper tags and the ribbon. You tie it around, you leave it on a cool Jeep. I mean, so thoughtful, so creative. And they really had something for not every member of the show. I'm sure they'll, you know, Red Macho will get something. But they, you know, they had something for Dan, Lummy, myself, Bubba. So thank you so, so much. I got so much cool stuff. And listen, I like practical shit. And they got me practical shit. My lotion, socks, the tea, shit I use. And I appreciate that. And I also appreciate, you know, the, the little backpack I've used a few times. And the purse. I mean, these people are the best. The crackers, I mean, you really can't, I just, I appreciate it so much. A little squishy thing, I don't know what that, I've seen those before, like at Spencer's and whatnot. But anyways, thank you, Chuck and Leslie. The duck idea is, it was so smart, so innovative, relevant. You know, we're going to get all the Jeep-owning people in Tampa Bay to start listening to, and elsewhere. I mean, fuck, if you order something, you're going to get a little rubber ducky so that you can then duck somebody else and get them to listen to the Bubba Army. Because I know if someone left a little rubber ducky on my car with a QR code that says Bubba Army, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? You QR code it up, and boom, it's a it's a radio show. Let me investigate this. Oh, my God, these people are hilarious and insane. I can't wait to be a part of that. So thank you guys so, so, so very much. Uh, 81390-Bubba. Uh, as for this weekend, if you don't have any uh, set plans, make sure that you head over and you're local, of course, or not, or not. Maybe you're willing to drive. 
Uh, make sure that you head over to, I'm going to fuck it up, uh, Hazlet Carmichael Hart Meisner. It, head over to Kevin's, okay? It's on Belcher. I think he's at 250 North Belcher Road. It's going to be tomorrow. That is October 21st, Saturday tomorrow, October 21st, from 1 to 4 p.m. Head over there. You're going to get a pumpkin. You're going to get, uh, I don't know if they have alcohol there. I know sometimes they they do, sometimes they don't, depending on how kid-friendly they want it to be. Um, I think they are going to have alcohol because last time when I worked it and it was a car only thing, it seemed a bit odd to give someone a beer while they're driving a car. That seemed to be not the move. So they have food, ice cream, uh, pumpkins, entertainment. Brian from Philly, $20. Brian, I think I got a message from you. I briefly glanced at it. There was a lot going on yesterday. I don't know if it said you were going to call in or excusing the shitty connection you had last time you called in on the after show yesterday. So, um, thank you. And thank you for, thank you for all the support, Brian. Appreciate you. I hope I see you next Friday for bubble 199. We got a lot going on this month and just uh, around this time, uh, between Kevin's pumpkin patch, bubble 199, I believe on November 4th, Saturday, Alex Stein will be coming into town to do a like a novelty celebrity internet celebrity fight called the Carnival of Combat, I believe. And I don't want to just say this because I'm not 100% sure, but I think that the location may have changed. Not 100% on that. It was at the factory last time I checked, but according to some other sources, it might be at the Carnival of Chaos. Carnival of Chaos. I don't fucking know. If you know, call in. 813-90-BUBBA. JHM31999. You guys are making me money, and I appreciate that because then I can send it back to the boss man and say, look, I'm valuable. Please, please don't fire me. So, yes, we got a lot going on. 199, very excited. Uh, might dress up, might not. We'll see. Oh! Motherfucker, Leslie and Chuck got me a goddamn jersey with DJ with a hum sauce on the back. San Diego. I'm going to wear this to all the sporting events I don't go to. I'm very excited, whether it be the baseball games I don't go to, the football games I don't go to, the uh, what other sports people, the hockey games. I've never been, I've been to a professional hockey game twice, the Red Wings. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, low key flex. I worked for a radio station there. So, you know, you'd think I'd get hooked up because I was part of the radio station, but actually I got hooked up because while we were doing a broadcast on our way to set up the broadcast, um, me and my coworkers got locked in an elevator for two hours. So um, that was cool. They couldn't get it working. I don't know what it's called now, but at the time it was Joe, the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. So welcome to Michigan. You get locked in an elevator when you're trying to do a fucking live broadcast. It was a little chaotic, but whatever. We got the guy on the air somehow. And um, yeah, so they're like, hey, so sorry about that. Uh, do you want free tickets to uh, a, a Red Wings game? And oddly enough, at the time, I was like, you know what? I've never been to a fucking hockey game. Maybe it's cool. Maybe I'll check it out. So, you know, I, I snagged the ticks. And um, yeah, I had a great time. It was it was a good time. I, I get the vibe. I enjoyed that more than like a baseball game. Been to two. I think that's quota for life. I went to one. Didn't quite get it. Get it. That was again in in Michigan. I went to a Tigers game. Then I went to a Rays game about six and a half years ago. Um, still didn't get it because everyone that I was with and everyone at the game 
was not watching the baseball. They were just, you know, yapping away, getting beers. And I'm like, why don't we drink at home where we don't have to watch the football and the beers are cheaper? That's I didn't quite understand. Uh, I was trying to do the math in my head. It didn't make any sense. I'm like, you're not even watching the game, but people like the atmosphere. They like the whatever. Who cares? It was a free game. So <clears throat> free game both times. I don't think I've ever paid for a game. Yeah, and then I've never been to a professional football game. I feel like that might be an experience. That might be be fun, but also, like, I wouldn't ever spend the money, and I wouldn't want anyone to, like, waste a ticket on me because it will be lost. It will be lost. So I'll just do my brunches. That's fine. I like brunch. I'll be doing brunch. 813-90-Bubba. Um... Like, do I want to segue into something serious? It's like, I kind of want to keep it light. I'm kind of super happy it's not, um, you know, the global day of jihad. That was a little scary last week, especially because I was alone at the, you know, at the building and there weren't a lot of people here and everyone had left and, you know, Bubba wasn't around, just kind of buzzing around. So I was a little concerned, but thankfully Big Red and um, Bob Cook were here. And let's just say one of them had a gun on them. So I was like, perfect. Because I wanted someone to at least be around. You know, you can't really see what's going on behind your back. I don't have access to the cameras from here. So I can't see if someone's rolling up on me. They know I'm alone. I'm currently live. I'm by myself. I'm a Jew. I'm annoying. They hate me. You're dead. Bye. So I was like, "Mm, not about to die on that hill. But thankfully, we had some men's with guns in the building, and I really appreciated that because I like men with guns. Good men with guns. I know how to use them. I mean, there's really nothing better than that as far as protection. You know, you can clamor on and on about how much you hate guns. And I was talking to um, a, um, one of my Jewish friends. I have uh, just a few. One of my Jewish friends that I actually saw when I was in Denver, met him in Australia, but he moved to Boulder, Colorado with his American wife and their two beautiful daughters. And he hates guns. He does not like guns. But, you know, to his point, he didn't grow up with guns. I mean, I don't want to say I really grew up with guns. My dad had a gun in the home, so I was, like, aware that that's something that people do. But he did not grow up with guns in Australia, and he does not like guns. But let me tell you spoke with him a few days ago and he likes to bring his gun everywhere now (laughs) um you know especially being jewish himself not that he's rocking a yarmulke and you know got the hasidic thing going on you probably wouldn't know he was a a jewish person just by looking at him but you know he's just kind of keeping his head on a swivel he doesn't know who's around him and uh he's he knows how to operate a gun but he he likes a lot of gun control. So it was just a little bit odd, but he was and here and here's the thing like it's funny how, you know, when, when whenever him and I get together, we talk on the phone. We like to talk about the things that we disagree on, but when tragedy strikes, especially when it strikes an issue or a population that is close to your heart, you know, all those kind of differences kind of wash away and you you kind of um you kind of rally around each other. So we were talking And he's like, you know, he didn't care about all the gun conversations we had in the past. He was just like, yo, I've been bringing my fucking gun everywhere. I'm like, good, man. Good. Absolutely should. You know, and I've been I've definitely been reaching out to uh, a lot of my Jewish friends and family just to see how they're doing, because and it is strange. Like, not that I felt like I had evolved away from 
like a population of people that I just happen to be associated with by, you know, just the birth lottery, which I think is it's not odd, but it also is. You know, like I, I like to associate with myself with people who are free thinkers and, you know, kind of hang on the libertarian, uh, not ticket, but, you know, libertarian way of thinking in terms of, you know, live and let live, leave me the fuck alone and let me do what I want to do. Like, I like hanging out and associating with people who think like that, because to me, that's more of a choice, right? Like, that's more of a conclusion you came to on your own. Maybe you were raised that way, but probably not maybe you were raised super catholic or super muslim or jewish but you go eh, this is kind of stupid like i just i just want to be left alone and i don't really subscribe to you know imaginary characters in the sky and you know that that takes uh, a certain type of person to come to those conclusions and i like prided myself on being associated with those people and not associating with people just by virtue of hey we're both jewish which it's fine, you know, like I don't, you, you see somebody that's Jewish, you know, as a Jewish person and you you all immediately have a connection just in terms of, you know, I, again, I wasn't raised super religious or anything like that, but there's just a connection that you have because you just get each other's culture. But also, you know, the older I got and the more years separated from the be- community I became, I felt less connected as anyone would because you're just like, I don't really, like, I don't identify with any religion and I don't want to just hang with people who are Jewish for the sake of being Jewish, we probably have very little in common other than just, you know, de facto, we have the same holy book, I guess. I don't know. So I was just removing myself from that. Not because, and again, most Jews that I knew or know now are pretty secular, you know, Um, and it's not like that would be something I would try to like avoid but I wouldn't like seek out like oh I need to go to synagogue and I need to have Jewish friends it's like that eh, I don't really give a fuck so but now when something like this happens you know it, it, not that it's um a strange reaction because it's 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 not but it seems to be like wow I do definitely feel a connection to a place that I was born and that my parents lived for many years and my dad has property there and it's not just this arbitrary piece of land like it means something and it means something to me um, and it means something to a lot of people and it re- represents a lot of things to a lot of different people. So, uh, you, know, you know, initially the shock of just the n- not just the the tragedy itself, but like how it was conducted was so vile and like so like some of the most unspeakable, depraved sort of actions that we've seen in the last, I don't know, since World War II, um, that sort of unspeakable barbarity is just, you don't really know how to process that. You know, I mean, we live in a place where, yeah, you know, fuck, I'm really not trying to downplay, like, shootings and stuff, but, like, we saw a, a cop shoot a guy and a cop shoot, two cops shoot a lady, and, like, that was pretty brutal, but, I mean, that wasn't just a infant that was decapitated for no reason you know in their crib like that sort of shit even though both result in a death one is just really hard to process and stomach where the other one you go well the bitch had a gun and was waving it around and the other guy got tased and started choking out the cops so yeah two people are dead but you know the two previous kind of deserved it whereas when you have just non-combated 
non-combat combatants like civilians in a kibbutz or kids or elderly Holocaust survivors, just, you know, that sort of thing just, um, it shakes you in a different sort of way. So I've been just trying to find ways that I can be helpful and that ways that kind of help me cope in, and I, and I found that it's just, it's connection, right? So I'm reaching out to people who kind of just are feeling what I'm feeling. And most, again, I don't have any religious Jewish friends, but I do have a few that are just secular and they just get it. And so we've been talking somewhat frequently and that helps. And I reached out to my dad's elderly cousin who lives in Sarasota. And um, I called him last earlier this week and I just asked him, you know, how he was doing because it's probably hard to fucking process. And he just was pretty blunt about it. Like he, he knew what was going on and he has actively started avoiding the news just because it was so disturbing. And I get it. Like I get it. And he's old. He's 85. Um, He's the one that can do like pull-ups and shit and still runs. Like he's insane. And my hero and, when I look into the future of what I want for myself, it's the, the way he lives his life. We have a lot of similarities. He has like a food log. Not that I do that, but just the obsessive compulsiveness around exercise, fitness, nutrition. Um, I am him and he is me. So, uh, you know, when I look 50 years into the future, I'm like, that's probably what I'm going to end up like. Hopefully fucking running 10 miles at a time when I'm 85. Freaking awesome. And when I visit him in Sarasota from time to time, I mean, he is just running circles around people who are 30 to 40 years younger than him. You know, I went out with him and uh, some other family members a few years ago when he was probably 81, let's say. And he forgot something in the car. And this motherfucker is like running to the car where when you see people who are 20 and 30 years younger than him on walkers like, you know, hobbling their way to the restaurant he's fucking running by no problem i got the keys here you go you know just incredible for his age just an absolute um ideal for what i would want for myself just an excellent quality of life so uh very inspired by him in a lot of ways we have a lot of things in common so we're gonna go see him tomorrow that's why i can't be at, at kevin's thing but i think it's important to kind of Reach out to family, see how the fuck they're doing, because it's a it's a weird time. It is a it is a really weird time, and it's getting to the point where like I don't want to talk about it, but then once I start talking about it, I can't stop talking about it. But I've been trying to just do a lot of research and reading a lot, and trying to listen to a lot of different people to get a really a better grasp of the situation. Because and I, even when I talk to my Jewish friends, it's like, all right, we are biased, like. Yes, we're going into this with a bias. We've been to Israel. We're Jewish. We, uh, I was born there. Whatever the case may be, you have family there. My dad has property there. My dad has friends there. We're going into this with a bias. Like, how can I try to strip that away and look at this with, uh, like a like a with fresh eyes? It's hard, but I've been doing a lot of research and trying to listen to a lot of different folks on both sides. And just try to get, try to understand, like, where they're coming from. As difficult it is, as it is to try to make sense of, like, why wouldn't a UK-Palestinian ambassador condemn Hamas? Why would you not do that when you're on Pierce Morgan? And it's like, can you condemn Hamas's actions? And he's like, actually, and then he just kind of, like, pivots. He, you know, they do the, the politician pivot. And they don't want to answer the question. 
and they're pressed and they don't answer the question. They're pressed and they don't answer the question. And it's like really frustrating. Why is that so fucking hard? You know, and it's easy to just be like, you're anti-Semitic, you hate Jews, you're a piece of shit. And those things may be true. But my mind goes, okay, what am I missing? Am I missing something? Am I fucking missing something? Was there, you know, did something happen that is somehow justifying Hamas's, not justifying, but like low-key justifying Hamas's actions against Israeli civilians to them, right? Like, what the fuck am I missing? And so I've been trying to just do a deep dive into the history. You know, no side is 100%, you know, guilt-free. Of course. Of course. It's it's not like the Israelis have should have no blame and the Palestinians are completely blame-free and it's just too we we just it's always the other side. It's just come on. Obviously, both sides have fucked up. There's clearly one side, in my estimation, that's fucked up more. But hey, again, I also admittedly am biased. So I try to, you know, let the audience know and also remind myself, you have a bias, you have a bias, you have a bias. Let me look at this with fresh eyes. If I was to not know anything about this and just kind of look at the facts, what conclusion would I come to? And obviously because I have a bias, I keep coming to the same conclusion, of course. Um... But it just, I don't want to be, and we all are, we only care about our own. We really fucking do. You don't, you didn't see BLM really rallying behind Ukraine. No one really cares about the Uyghur situation or the humanitarian crisis in Yemen where thousands of people are dying every day from artillery cholera starvation disease you know you don't really hear about that but then you're black you're a black person got shot by a white cop up oh, you're, oh, you're in the streets you're all busy okay and then you know you're a palestinian american oh no you hear about oh ukraine that sucks oh that's not nice and then oh oh hamas went in oh that's gonna be bad probably but then your hospital gets bombed and you initially think it's Israel. Now you're all on social fucking media going off crazy, free Palestine, liberate Palestine, blah, blah. Where were you five days ago when Israeli citizens were getting beheaded? I didn't see any of your posts then. You didn't seem to really care about humanitarian uh, situations then. Where were you fucking then? You know, and so I am feel like I'm always torn. I don't want to just post about shit that I care about because it affects me because it's close to me i didn't post anything about ukraine it's a horrible situation but you know i'm not going crazy not going crazy about the slave trade that's going through libya where slaves are getting trafficked like to europe through libya i'm not really talking about that i'm not really talking about the the fuckery of the congo and sudan and Saudi Arabia, how women are getting stoned to death and people are getting shot execution style because they said something on Twitter that they weren't supposed to. I'm sorry, X. So I'm not saying anything about that. So I always feel like somewhat hypocritical if I want to bring attention to something because it, it affects me personally, you know, because everybody's always about me, 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 me. You know, if you're Palestinian, you care about Palestinian shit. If you're Israeli, you care about Israeli shit. You're Ukrainian, you care about Ukrainian shit. That, and that's just how we operate. And then if there's an American thing, Americans care about it, but maybe the rest of the world doesn't care as much or at all. Who knows? 
So I just try to keep that in mind, that I really only care about my shit. And so does everybody else. And every once in a while, someone who's not involved, not every once in a while, that's not true. There were a lot of white liberals that got on the BLM train. There's a lot of white liberals that are getting on the pro-Palestinian train. Um, Sometimes there's cross-pollination, but usually it's you care about your shit because it affects you. But you want everybody else to care about your shit, too. But and then everybody else feels the same way. They want them to they want everyone else to care about stuff that affects them. So I I try to keep that in mind as well, that I I wasn't super vocal about the Ukraine stuff. I mean, I'm not so vocal about anything on social media. I'm vocal on the show, obviously, because that's kind of what we do. But I I, I stay off of uh, posting on social media. You're not going to change any minds and hearts there that's not the, the place to do it you know you talk about bringing awareness i don't how much can i ask an honest question how much is bringing awareness really doing with anything i'm trying to think of an example of like where bringing awareness really made an impactful change especially on social media i i, I really can't think of anything and maybe if I thought a little bit longer and I, I wasn't really on the spot, but, you know, it's always like bringing awareness, bringing awareness. It's like whose minds and hearts are we changing? Oh, bring awareness to, um, I don't know, I keep going back to the BLM thing. It's like, all right, well, were people who weren't going to be on that train before now on that train? Or do people just kind of buckle down on their own stances that they've had since forever and decide to selectively choose and omit evidence based on what they think and how they feel. You know, it seems to be the case that when there was reports that there had been beheadings of young kids and children, infants on a kibbutz, that I think there was one CNN reporter that confirmed it and then it wasn't confirmed and she went back online and said it hasn't been confirmed, so people just immediately thought it was then fake. And all the Palestinian people I saw were like, oh, where are your sources? This isn't, this didn't happen. Prove it. Show me your sources. Okay. You want sources. Then a week later, the bombing on the Gaza hospital, the hospital in Gaza happens. Immediately, they blame the IDF. They blame blame the Israelis. Oh, it's Israelis. I'm like, initially, I thought it was the Israelis too. And I was like, oh, shit. I don't, that's not going to be good, obviously, for the children and the people who have died, but also optically. Two hours later, it comes out that it was actually friendly fire that fell short. It was a a missile from the militant group Islamic Jihad, Islamist Jihad, something like that. Basically, Hamas, essentially. A missile fell short. They have video of... Uh, like essentially a missile boomeranging hits a parking lot next to a hospital blows up. I think close to 500 people have died. It's an awful, awful situation. I didn't see any of those Palestinian people, pro Palestinian people saying anything about how, Oh, the reports have changed. And then, you know, when they wanted sources about the beheadings, you go, well, what are, what are your sources for the uh, Israeli quote bombing of the hospital? Oh, you know, they did it. And I go, well, I have sources. You said you wanted sources. I got sources from 
an independent U.S. investigation and also the IDF, which whatever, I guess you could throw that out because, of course, they would deny it. Maybe you would think. Um, and the BBC and all these places who have confirmed to the best of their ability that it actually was not the IDF. And they go, oh, that's fake. Oh, that's that's IDF. That's uh, those are lies. Those are Jew lies. It's AI. It's like, OK, you wanted sources. You seem to be all about facts. I give you sources and you're telling me that those sources are fake lies, AI. Okay, well, I don't know how to fight that because it seems like you want sources. I give you sources. You tell me those sources are bogus. So why are you even asking for sources in the first place is what I would like to know. So um, it's a it's a really fucked up situation. I, I think that if I were to take a... If I were to have a prediction, which, again, take it for what it's worth, it's not worth much because I don't know as much as I should know. But if I were to make a prediction, I would say Hamas can be eliminated, I think. Again, the Hamas in form now, right? I don't know about Hamas or the next iteration of Hamas when that little boy who got his leg blown off by seemingly, in his mind, Israeli forces, when that little boy grows up and starts Hamas part two, part three, whatever. So, you know, you can't really wipe out an ideology. That's much more difficult than wiping out a specific enemy. So I don't know. I think that Hamas can be wiped out. I think the American, the Israelis are, they clearly were not on their game two weeks ago. But they're on their game now and they're about to launch a ground offensive, go in door to door, whatever doors are left, because it looks like that place is pretty uh, demolished and tunnel to tunnel, finding these motherfuckers and killing them. <clears throat> Anybody who was involved with the planning or the ex- the execution of the Hamas attacks. But then what do you do with all those displaced people? You know, what what do you do? And I'm not saying this from like a you know, an ethical moral standpoint. It's more just like a logistical, like literally where the fuck do they go? You got, I mean, after you're done with Hamas and all the, the casualties that are going to come along with that, because you know that it's going to be bloody. What are all those people? Let's just say, I think there's 3 million people in Gaza of, according to my sources. And again, I've been doing a lot of research. I think it's the most densely populated area territory. I don't know on the planet. those who don't know, Gaza Strip, right along the water of the Mediterranean Sea, um, 25 miles long, six miles wide. That's the space we're talking about here. And I think in that space is roughly about, I've heard anywhere between like 2.3 to 3 million people. Okay, so now half of those people that lived in the northern part of Gaza are now going south because that's what they've been instructed to do if they can even leave. Because it seems like Hamas wants them to stay put. So what what do you do with all those with all those people that don't have money, that don't have water, that have no home now? Um, you know, just refugees. What what do you do with those people and let them return home to what rubble? I I, I don't know. They don't clearly don't have the the ability, the money, the resources to like rebuild. And if they did, which it seems like they have in the past, I'm not blaming the Palestinian people, but let's just say the forces in charge, 
Uh, every time it seems like they've been given humanitarian aid, funds, fund, funding mostly, whatever, from the U.N. or anyone else. Instead of building resorts and uh, schools and hospitals, it seems like they're mostly investing in bombs and pipe bombs and rockets and whatever the fuck else that they can import there. And it's like, dude, and I've been saying this to a lot of people, I'm like, build resorts, not tunnels, man. That is some prime ass real estate. Gaza, the Gaza Strip. I mean, oh my God, it's 25 miles of fucking beachfront property and you're building tunnels. What the fuck? Build me a motherfucking Holiday Inn, a la style. I don't care. Do some sailboat, Dubai shit. I mean, I know they don't have any like money to do that, but whatever. Like, try your best. Do start with a Marriott and work your way up, is what I would say. Don't stop building tunnels. But again, you know, whatever. It's my two cents. I'm trying to make light of a situation which is obviously very serious. You got to have. Uh, I've been having a lot of like this gallows type humor to try to get through all this stuff because it's how else do you cope? Other than just make really fucked up jokes because you don't know what else to do. You don't know what else to do. So that was a a nice 40-minute rant about how I'm not going to talk about what I just talked about. So 813-90-BUBBA if you'd like to call in and contribute to the conversation. Sadly, I would like to to, uh, pivot to uh, something that's less depressing, which is uh, legalizing euthanasia, which oddly enough is, you know, It used to be a little bit of a somber topic, but now it's like, what the fuck ever? After you've seen the horror of the last two weeks, you go, fuck it. We can handle some legalized um, euthanasia. I'm very intrigued by this idea. I've talked about it a few times in the past, euthanasia, and if someone should have the right to end their own life. Now, obviously, no law is going to prevent you from killing yourself if you want to do that. That's, you know. You could say it's against the law to shoot yourself in the head, but you shoot yourself in the head. And what the what is the punishment going to be? You're already dead, obviously. And half the time, even if you don't die because you miss because you missed your head. I don't know how you did that when you tried. But if you somehow survive a suicide attempt, no one sends you to jail. They send you to rehab or you know, maybe they Baker Act you or you get help. You need help. You don't go to prison for it. So... Canada has some wacky ideas, no doubt, when it comes to many, many things. I think COVID for them just ended like two weeks ago. They were in lockdown until two weeks ago. Maybe I made that up, but whatever. They do have some wacky ideas. But this one, and I was discussing it with a few people that I know, and they seemed to think it was a bad idea, but I don't. I think it's a great idea. Canada to legalize euthanasia for drug addicts with no other illness in March. Have you ever thought about why your wireless bill is so damn expensive? It's all just radio waves. How much can a radio wave really cost? Seems like wireless got together and decided, I don't know, 100 bucks a month or so. I think the people will buy it. What choice are they going to have? Now, thanks to Mint Mobile, you're going to have a choice, my friend. Right now, Mint Mobile has wireless plans starting at $15 a month. 
That's unlimited talk and text for only 15 a month. Mint Mobile's service in comparison to the big providers are is just as crystal clear and just as good. You're just saving a lot of money. For anybody who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for only 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Choose from 3, 6, or 12-month plans and say goodbye to that monthly phone bill. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a whole entire family. And at Mint, families start at two lines. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get your first three months of premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, you got to go to mintmobile.com forward slash bubba. That's mintmobile.com forward slash bubba. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com forward slash bubba. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So in March 2024, Canada will allow for medically assisted dying. Uh, The acronym is MAID, M-A-I-D. It will include mental health patients, including those suffering substance abuse. And uh, let's see, it says something about epilepsy something i don't know anything about mm-hmm. um all right so basically medically assisted suicides in canada i feel like it already was somewhat legalized but now they're kind of expanding the umbrella to include those who are suffering from substance abuse now i feel like substance abuse is a topic that I feel I've had a very hard time finding compassion for, and I've really tried to change the way I thought about drug addicts. I know not every drug addict is the same, so I try to keep that in mind as well. Um, I have a lot of compassion for a lot of different things. I have a lot of compassion for... You know, when I see those children who were hit by the missile, doesn't matter where it came from. These these kids got killed that were at a hospital and they don't have moms and dads and they're orphans. And, you know, they're shaking, they're crying. When I see the, the parents and brothers and sisters of people that were slain by Hamas, I have compassion for that. I don't really have compassion if you're on the street addicted to fentanyl. You know, it's just like we have a capacity for compassion and... um Mine got all used up for shit that, in my estimation, wasn't a choice, right? That Palestinian boy didn't ask to be bombed. <clears throat> he didn't ask to be involved in that situation, in that conflict. It has nothing to do with him personally. He's just unfortunately, and I hate saying this about human lives, but just collateral damage, you know, just collateral damage. Um, unfortunately, we'll be traumatized for life. You know, it's hard to come back from that when you when you grow up in an open air prison. 
for whatever reason, not saying blaming the Israelis or the Palestinians. I'm just calling it what it is. It's pretty much an open air prison, Mm. Um, heavily industrialized, but not really a lot of export. (laughs) I think think we said that their number one export was like um, scrap metal, (laughs) something. Um, But yeah, just uh, no economic opportunity in Gaza, an open air prison, whoever's fault it may be. Uh, I have compassion for that, for, for, for people who just happen to, they did not get, the, they did not win the birth lottery when it comes to where you were born. <clears throat> um, and like I said, I have compassion for people who lost people in the Holocaust or lost people from the Hamas attacks or people who, who had to leave their homes in Ukraine because they were getting bombed or whatever. Just there's plenty of shit that Yemen, the people in Yemen, what the fuck? Those are people I feel sorry for. Very hard for me to feel sorry for someone who is addicted to fentanyl because they decided to take it. Um, so I've been trying to learn a little bit more about that situation, finding, hopefully like find some sort of compassion somewhere. I'm still searching, but what I've learned from the people that I've listened to is that addiction, not always, but oftentimes is you were coping because you've dealt with some sort of trauma, right? Maybe you were molested as a kid by your local, uh, deacon or whatever, you know, you, you went in for the Eucharist, you just wanted to love Christ, and now you're getting railed in the ass and you're eight years old. And that sucks. That super sucks. You didn't ask for that, but it happened to you. How do you cope with that? Okay, you start trying to numb your pain with alcohol. And then maybe uh, you got your hands on some pills and then uh, heroin and then fentanyl. And now you're just doing trank on the street and your legs halfway decayed. I've... I can have some sympathy there for that person. That super sucks that that all that all that should happen to you. Also, I don't have anybody in my family that was addicted to anything. Substance abuse is not in my family at all. I don't drugs or alcohol or smoking or gambling or none none of the vice things are in my family. So it's very hard to understand when you don't come from that background. In my mind, I'm just like, Don't fucking do it. Just no one has a gun to your head telling you to put the needle in your arm. So just don't fucking do it. Just ride it out. David Goggins your way through it. Just fucking don't do it. What's wrong with you? You decided to do it. So again, I'm trying to come from the people I do feel sorry for. I will say this are the people who were instructed by their doctor to take pain meds. They took the oxys. They got addicted because it was basically heroin in pill form. And then they they needed it. They grew a tolerance pretty fucking quick. I was listening to uh, my personal guru, Peter Atia, who had, I think, a back injury or something. <clears throat> Maybe like, I don't know, 20 years ago or something like that. And he was prescribed Oxycontin. And he said he went from 40 milligrams to 400 milligrams in the course of four months. <clears throat> and at the time, he was like, I'm so lucky at the time. <coughs> Excuse me. He was uh, dating a woman who was a doctor <clears throat> and dealing with pain management. And she was like, you got to get off this shit. It's bad. You're getting addicted quick. And your tolerance for that shit goes, uh, it's pushed very quickly. So he said in one week, what he was taking the week prior really wasn't doing doing anything for him the following week. Like, that's how fast his body was adapting to it and getting addicted to it. So 
he was able to muscle his way out of using that as a way to manage his pain. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, it can be done. It's not easy, but it can be done. So if you don't do it, it's because you are refusing to do it. You don't want to put in the hard work. And now you're, you've got yourself in this quagmire, in this uh, I'm addicted shit. And now uh, you want sympathy from everybody else when it was your choice to do it. So I, I kind of feel, I certainly feel bad for people who are instructed by their doctor, someone that they trusted to take a pain medication. And they were given that pain medication freely until they weren't, until they needed more, until, you know, the, they, they cracked down on the pill mills. And nobody could get that shit anymore. And then what do you do? You turn to heroin, obviously, because it's an easy street drug. It's probably more powerful and um, it's cheap and somewhat easy to get if you know where to get it. Not that I do. I don't fuck with that shit. I like my Molly every now and again, like once every three years. Cocaine, fine, but uh, I don't fuck with heroin. I don't, I mean, I kind of want to, like in my head, I'm like, I wonder what it feels like, but I never would. No, the curiosity is not that strong. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shitty situation. But anyways, it's hard for me to feel sorry for those people, even when I think about it now. But uh, legally allowing for people to euthanize themselves as drug addicts when apparently there's no other... <clears throat> mental illness, which I thought uh, that addiction was a mental illness. I thought that that was in the DSM, like you can be addicted to shopping and you can be addicted to drugs and you can be addicted. No, I'm getting sick. <clears throat> Thanks, Bubba. Uh, you can be addicted to a lot of different things. Um, And I thought that all of those things were considered like a disease. You can be addicted to sugar and then you become obese, whatever. So... I was under the impression that you could that that itself is an illness, but maybe if you're just a user and you got addicted, now you're just physiologically addicted to it. Um, you don't you don't really see any hope for you getting better, and you want to kill yourself. Should a government allow for you to have a medically assisted suicide? I say, let it eat. I say, let it eat. A lot of people maybe don't agree with me, but I feel like. The libertarian in me is screaming, the only thing you truly fucking own in this world and on this planet is your body. That is pretty much, and sometimes you don't even own that when you're a slave, whatever, you get trafficked, oops, whatever, okay, but again, this is something that I believe is not, what's the secular equivalent to a divine right? Whatever, just a, a, a universal right, there you go, and that everyone should have autonomy over their body. And if they want to, uh, unless there's a baby in there, then maybe it's a little different. But if it's just your body and your tissues and your DNA that you're fucking with and nobody else's, all right, I think I made that clear, then I think that you should be able to do whatever you want to do. You want to be a porn star, be a porn star. You want to be a heroin addict, you should be able to do that. You want to be an entrepreneur, you should be able to do that. You should be able to do whatever the fuck you want to do with your body, fine. And that includes... Being done with it. You're done. You you went on the ride. You're you want to get off the fucking Ferris wheel of life and you just you want to be done with it. Fine. I feel like you know in my mind I'm like should you even should you even have to like have an illness? Like it's your fucking body. 
Now, do I think that that's a, like a good idea and that there's hope for you? Yeah, sure. But like also, again, the li- very strong libertarian in me is like, it's your body. You should be able to do whatever you want to do. I think the issue here becomes like the protection of the doctors, right? It's like, well, you know, you're talking to a drug addict who was high on fentanyl and agreed to kill themselves while they were on fentanyl because they're an addict and you allowed for that to happen. You're a murderer. So it's really like a, a, a like a legal thing, obviously, where it's like, how do we protect doctors from killing people? And then, you know, other people coming after them going, you took advantage of someone who could not fully consent. So that's kind of like an that's a good argument there. Like, can you fully consent if you're a drug addict on and you're high as fuck all the time? I don't know. I mean, if you're signing papers and shit saying you consent, I mean, I feel like those should be legally binding. <clears throat> you know, how how much do we have to look out for you? It's like, I want to die, but you're high. I still want to die. Sign this paper. All right. Well, well, you're high. You can't really consent, but you sign this pa- Whatever, dude. Like, fuck it. You sign the paper. It's legal now. High or not. Did you fully consent? Why is that my responsibility? You said yes. Yes means yes. No means no. There should be no gray area, but of course, inevitably, there always is. Let's take a phone. Oh, sorry. Hello, who's this? Oh, shit. Hello, who's this? Kill the supermarket. Oh, come on, man. Did I fuck it up? Hold on. Nope. I just hung up on you. Call back. So I can hang up on you again. 813-90-BUBBA if you would like to call in and contribute to the conversation. Because, listen, I am in a position right now where I am willing to have my mind be changed. I I want to hear what you have to say. And maybe there's like a, a caveat, something I'm not miss something I'm missing that I'm not quite getting. Um, but as of right now, I feel pretty steadfast on that. I think Canada, I think it's a, I think it's a good move. You wanna die? Die. You know, maybe you could try to have some get you some counseling at the beginning and then they go, Yeah, this person just really wants to die. Let them do it. All right. And that's not so much because I love death. Maybe a little. Just kidding. I don't. It's more so like, again, I'm a libertarian. It's your fucking body. You should be able to end it. Um, and if and if you're going to do it anyways, I I mean, might as well do it in a, like a, a clean, prepared, uh, pain-free way. No? I don't know. You guys call and tell me what's up. Hello, who's this? <laughs> On a homo, show the supermarket. Hello, it's not me. I have the phone. Homo, line on. Maybe a few more people can call in. Maybe it's just this person here. Is is it disconnected? Phone, I'm trying Donna. here. Hello. There's wrong with Hello the phone, now. There's something wrong with the phones. I tried our best. I guess it's just going to be me today, guys. I'm really, really sorry. Eight one three ninety Bubba. Also in the news, uh, interesting stuff. What's his name? Give me a moment here. Let me take this call, see if it actually works. Hello, who's this? I don't know, Joe the supermarket. supermarket. That's K. That's K. It's just gonna be me today. And that is A OK with me. Let's see. I think his name is Joran. Joran Vandersloot. That name sounds familiar. It's because he was the prime suspect in the killing of Natalie Holloway, who, as you may remember from uh, 17 years ago, 18 years ago, excuse me, 
who was an 18-year-old. Hello? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, who was an 18-year-old, who was an American girl, who was vacationing in Aruba. And uh, did they find her body? I don't know. I want to say call in, but every time I tell someone to call in, it doesn't seem to go through. So I'm, I'm, I'm certainly trying my best here. I hope you guys are okay with that. Hello? Yeah. No. It's not working. Not working at all. I, let's see if this works. Hello? Yeah, it's a phone. Morning, Anna, how are you? I don't know what's going on, guys. I'm really trying here. Oh. Okay. I am trying. Um, it was working during the big show. My, my. Hello, Anna. I don't think so. The phone's fucking on, guys. I mean, I'm, hello. Well, all right. No more. No, no, we're not taking calls. I'm just gonna block the phone lines. <clears throat> it's not working, and that's okay. Uh, Joron uh, Vandersloot has finally confessed to the killing of Natalie Holloway. Uh, how he did it, why he did it, it's pretty disturbing. But again, because I've uh, heard and seen what I've seen in the last couple weeks, it's my palate for uh, gore has widened. So I'm like, oh, I mean, he just killed one person. But again, not good. Absolutely uh, not not pro-murder here, folks. Just letting you know. But new audio reveals Vandersloot's confession. Chilling details. Smashing her head in. Yikes. Not good. Now, I think that this guy was the prime suspect for like the entire time. Because there was video, I think, of them walking together like on the beach or by a hotel like, I think he was apprehended. Is he Dutch? I don't even know. Swedish, maybe. I, I don't want to put any uh, uh, nationality on him that he is not, but I, I'd imagine he's he's one of those. <clears throat> uh, I think he's a Dutch national. I could be wrong, though. But he is, I think he's currently in Alabama because she was from Alabama. The chilling confession released by the court includes Joron describing his night with the 18-year-old Alabama native on a beach in Aruba in 05. Uh, so they started kissing, but she denied his sexual advances and need him in the groin, which set him off. <clears throat> now, it is interesting because I'm like, can someone be moved to rage that quickly where they kill someone like unexpectedly? I don't know. I I don't know the answer to that. I can imagine like him like hitting her or something. But to me, move to the point where you fucking kill them because... I think he, and again, I'll play a little bit of the clip of him confessing. But to my understanding, they, she was interested in him. They were kissing on the beach, lying down. He started to try to like take it to the next level. And it sounds like she, she was, he was moving too fast for her. So she said, no, no. And then he kept doing it. And she's like, no, no, please. No, no. And then it got to the point where she's like, seriously, stop. And then like need him in the groin and he gets very mad and he stands up and he fucking kicked her in the head really, really fucking hard to the point where she may have been dead at that point <clears throat> or uh, she was, but she was unconscious. Okay. I don't know if she was dead at that point. No one will ever know. Then she's unconscious cause he kicked her in the head really fucking hard. He sees the center block a few yards, meters away, takes the center block, smashes her face in, 
then kind of comes the realization like, oh, shit, what have I done? And because they're right on the beach, it seems like he just kind of drags her into the water and like pushes her into the sea. And then apparently like went home and watched porn, which whatever. Not great. Anyways, I'm pretty sure that this guy has been in prison the whole time, but I could be wrong. I don't know. And it's hard for me to host a show and do a significant amount of research. So we'll just have to I'll just have to leave that with a uh, a big fat question mark. <clears throat> so here's a little bit of his confession. She asked to go back to her hotel, but I was just trying to get dropped off a little bit uh, further away from her hotel so we could uh, walk back to her hotel and I might still get a chance to to be with her. Okay. That's so, what I was hoping for. Okay. So what happens? Um, yeah, Deepak drops me off at a, at a place uh, a little right of the of the Marriott Hotel known as the Fisherman's Huts. Um, this place uh, is not so far from, you know, the next hotel is the Marriott and the next hotel after that is, is another Marriott, uh, which is a timeshare, and then it's the, the Holiday Inn. Um, well, we, we walk along the beach. Uh, right, um, do Deepak and Satish get out, come with you? Uh, what what, what uh, happens? Deepak and Satish leave. Uh, they, uh, they leave... Uh, they go back to their home. I assume they go back to their home. Um, they get in their car and they leave. Uh, I'm actually with uh, I'm actually with uh, with Natalie walking along the beach. Uh, I find a space uh, before we get to the before we get to the Marriott Hotel, where I lay her down. We lay down together in the sand, and uh, we start kissing each other. I start. I get her to kiss me again. We start kissing each other, and uh, I start feeling her up again. And she tells me no. She tells me she doesn't want me to to feel her up. Uh, I insist. I keep feeling her up either way. Um, and uh, she knees me. Uh, she ends up kneeing me in the crotch. Uh, when she knees me in the crotch, uh, I get up. Uh, on the beach, and I kick her ex extremely hard in in the face. Um, yeah, she's laying down, uh, unconscious, possibly even uh, even dead, but definitely unconscious. And uh, I see uh, right next to her, there's a there's a huge uh, cinder block laying on the beach. When you say cinder block. Uh Looking at the walls of this uh, place, is it like those? The exact same cinder blocks. I see a huge cinder block laying on the on the beach. Uh, I take this and uh, yeah, I, I I smash her head in with it completely. Uh, yeah, her face basically, you know, uh, collapses in. Even though it's dark, I can see her face is collapsed in. Um, uh, afterwards, I don't exactly know uh, what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, uh, and I um, <coughs> I decide to, to take her and uh, uh, to put her into the ocean, so I grab her and I, I half, uh, half pull and half walk with her into the ocean. Um, I... Uh, 
I push her off. Uh, I walk up uh, up to about my knees into the ocean, and I push her off into into the into the into the sea. Um, and um, yeah, after that, I I get out. I I walk home. Yeah. So mm, not good. Not good. Um, and it, it's sad. I mean, obviously it's sad, but they were waiting for that confession for 18 years. You know, just actual confirmation that she did, in fact, die at the hands of Jorhan Vandersloot and how it all went down. Because, again, it's it was 05. It's hard for me to remember at the time. I was like 18. But I remember hearing it in the news, you know, seeing her face everywhere. I, I would get a lot of those... Um, like my memory is a little bit blurred because it's like, I'm like, was it the Elizabeth smart thing? Was it the, there was like a, a Utah chick, Mormon chick that went missing. Maybe that was Elizabeth smart. Uh, Natalie Holloway. Like I just remember hearing all these names and like different images that kind of looked vaguely familiar. So I would kind of have them a little bit mixed up in my head, but I definitely remember it just being a giant story because they didn't know, you know, where she went, what happened to her. And also it's, not unusual that people tend to care when the person is good looking. She is, uh, you know, she's not like a 10, but she was a very cute young girl. And that captures the the minds and hearts of, of pretty much everybody. Because you, you just have, and it's fucked up, but it's true. And you guys know it's true. You have more compassion for better looking people. It's just something inside of you. It's instinctive. When you hear about a murder and you're just like, oh man, she was so young. And then you find out she was a motherfucking beauty queen and you're like, oh, why? So young, so beautiful, so much life to live. It's like, really? I mean, you didn't really care about Gretchen who, you know, out of Iowa who was pushing three bills. But it's, we can't help it. It just is what it is. Even as women, uh, we we have like more compassion for like a prettier girl. You can't even help it. Even if they would be our competition it's fucked up. It it is not right, but it is what it is. When it's just you see the face and you're like, wow, so attractive. What a fucking shame. Because it's like not only would they grace us with whatever, you know, few good personality characteristics they had, but they would grace everyone's eyes that laid eyes on them. You know what I mean? You, you walk by, you see a pretty person, you're like, wow, like your brain, like, I don't know if it's a little shot of dopamine. You're like, oh, I like that. I like the way that person looks. Oh, what a, that's a pretty person. Even if you're a woman and you see a pretty girl, you're just like, wow, like your, your brain, something like goes off in your brain. You're like, wow, that person's attractive. And then usually the next thought is that fucking bitch. But usually at first you're like, wow, attractive. Or, you know, you see a guy, wow, attractive. It's just you can't, your brain just kind of like fires off um, and you just seem to have a bit more compassion for people that are attractive when bad things happen to them. Is it right? Is it fair? Of course not. But when is life ever fair? When is life ever fair? So this whole move to equity is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous one, you know. You can talk about equality all day because equality is equal opportunity. And that is fine, A-okay with me. But equity is equal outcome. And that is not A-okay with me because guess what? Some people work harder than others. 
okay? And those people should be rewarded for their hard work, not demonized for it, okay? And that's not to say that you, if you work hard, you'll be rich. There's no guarantees in life. Things can go awry, of course. You could have many businesses that you tried so hard and none of them fucking worked out. But oftentimes it is the case that the money is deserved. Maybe it's not. Maybe you were just born into wealth. You were just born into a rich, you were a Kennedy, you're a Rockefeller, you're whatever, you're a Sackler family member, you're a Rothschild. You didn't, you didn't choose that fate for yourself. It's just kind of the luck of the draw. And if anybody else were in their situation, they probably would not be giving up their money, but they demand that other people do. You don't deserve that money. Maybe you don't, but life isn't fair. That's kind of what I always harp back onto when they're like, that's not fair. I go, life's not fucking fair. Get over it because all you're doing is harping on the fact that life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Why do you just go, I accept it's not fair. And now I'm going to do the best with the cards I've been dealt and then lean into that. That's probably a lot more productive than just complaining about how things aren't fair why don't you actually be somebody, okay? And especially in the great United States of America, if you're not, you know, minus maybe if you were like tra- you're here and you're trafficked, or maybe you're American and you're trafficked, and, you know, that super sucks. But for people who um, have authority over their lives and aren't currently human sex slaves, for those people, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do, man. You know, you, you, you can't, you're not going to be all the same. You're not going to acquire the same wealth as your neighbor. Exactly. Of course not. Um, But you could, you could do your best, stay in your own lane and you will certainly be more successful than if you just cry, 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 cry. The things aren't fair. It's so annoying. Nobody wants to be around you. Um, I mean, misery loves company. And if, listen, two miserable people are just bitching and complaining about how things aren't fair and that's what they have in common then great, like let them do their thing. But for the rest of us that are trying to make something of ourselves, that are trying to improve, that are trying to be better than we were yesterday, leave us alone. Stop complaining about things that really no one can control. You just want these people to just, you want Jeff Bezos who worked his dick off, who created Amazon and all these jobs and maybe he doesn't pay him as much as he should. Maybe they should get more days off, blah, blah, blah. But they're not forced to work there, okay? No one's putting a gun to their head, making them deliver packages. If they're choosing to work there, then they have accepted the terms and conditions of that place of employment. And if they don't want to work there anymore, they can quit. So you having all this sympathy for, oh, it's not fair and he's rich. It's like, yeah, because he made uh, he made something that everybody values. He changed the nature of the game when it comes to mail and shopping and putting fucking malls out of business. Boom, boom, boom. I I ain't going to hate that. He had a great idea or maybe it wasn't his idea, but whatever. He ran with it. He was the figurehead. He was the spokesperson. He was the one that put the time, energy, money into it initially. And he should be rewarded for that. Should he have $150 billion? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if people are willing to buy shit through Amazon. I ain't got no hate for that guy whatsoever. Oh, it's not fair. He wasn't just given that money. He fucking earned it. And if you hate him so much, then don't buy anything from Amazon, you dumbass. People hate Jeff Bezos and they keep buying shit from Amazon like fucking morons they are. But anyways, I think that's it for today, okay? That's probably... Came on strong. 
I appreciate words. I appreciate everyone listening and watching right now. Sorry, it was a call-free show. I tried. I tried. I saw you guys calling. Just wasn't working. But I appreciate you listening. Those that have listened, that will listen. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Please stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel, for God's sakes. And thank you to all those that donated. From Tease to Rodolfo, Brian from Philly, Costica, John Costica. You know, Mike Thurman, whatever. All the people that ever have donated and will donate to the show, I very much appreciate you. Check out Kevin's Pumpkin Patch tomorrow. If you're in the area, it's 1 to 4, 250 North Belcher Road. Get yourself a pumpkin. Leslie and Chuck, thank you so much. You have seriously made my day and my week and my life. I love you very much. Thank you guys for listening to me rant and rave, and uh, I'll catch you on Monday. Goodbye. Goodbye.